0: Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's Evangelist Jonathan. This is a week of heaven on earth. We have Dr. Rodney Howard Brown tonight at 7 o'clock. Wednesday... Wednesday night is evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth, Sr. Who's here? Friday night, evangelist Jesse Duplantis. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Hebrews, the 6th chapter and the 12th verse. The Bible says, Be followers of those who by faith and patience have obtained the promises of God. Then you won't become spiritually dull and indifferent. I'm not big on introductions, but tonight's different. I was 30 or 31 years old, and uh, when you start out in the ministry, people are basically just waiting for you to drop out and not make it. And then I got a call one day, on the 17th day of a fast, I was fasting for God to help me. And I got a call from Rodney Howard Brown on my cell phone, which. I felt like if you got a call from Rodney Howard Brown on your cell phone, I thought he had the wrong number. I asked him if he was looking for one of my uncles or my dad. And he said, no, I actually felt quickened of the Lord today to call you and uh, share with you some things that the Lord showed me in evangelism. If you could come down to Florida, I'll help you. And that was an answer, that was the whole thing I was fasting and praying for. So I called the doll, she was at the grocery store. I told her to just leave the cart somewhere. You know, if you put put the stuff back yourself, people lose jobs because there's less work to do. So I said, uh, I said, just put the cart back and come home and let's fly to Florida in the morning. So I took most of the money we had in the bank, we had hardly anything, and uh, flew to Florida and spent two days with him there at the river, and he, he, he helped me. And then on Saturday night, they were, back then they were doing um, The Great Awakening on TV every night. He called Adolis and I up with his wife, Pastor Donica and they laid hands on us, and that was the first time I ever went out under the power. And then we went to our next meeting, or that was Friday night, Saturday, we went to Dillsburg, Pennsylvania, in the center of the state, town of about 1,100 people. And that meeting went for 21 days, and I didn't feel like I was doing anything different. And the offering that came in was four times what our record offering was, five times what our record offering was. And it just went, then every meeting I'd go to after that, the pastor would say, can you stay another week? which I never had. A lot of times i say, could you leave before the week's over? And you'd have to be kind of stupid to have all that happen and not see the correlation. I grew up in America, like most of you did, where they put very little value on any servant of God. They'll even say stuff like, how many know whether Brother Rodney prays for you or not? God can touch you just the same. But that's actually not true because God uses human vessels to do his work. And uh, the the other mistake mistake I feel people make, which obviously you're not making tonight, is people, they all love people from the past. Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, which I have all their books up in my office upstairs, but they miss the people that are alive in their generation. Smith Wigglesworth wasn't sent to my generation. John G. Lake wasn't sent to my generation, but if you follow the trail, that fire got passed down, and now there's people in this generation that are carrying the fire of God for our generation. And so, there'll be a day, and I'm not saying this to overhype a meeting or anything, but there'll be a day if Jesus tarries, where this name will get brought up, and you'll say, I was actually in one of his meetings in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is a night to get everything God has for you, and you're in the right place. Those of you that are in overflow, I, I would just take this like it's, like I took that when, when we went down to Florida. I knew it wasn't meeting another minister. I knew it was a God encounter. Be followers. The Bible doesn't just say to follow Christ. It says to be followers of them who by faith and patience have obtained the promises of God. A lot of people can explain the promises of God. You hear people on Christian TV all week talking about what they think revival is. You don't meet a lot of them that rented Madison Square Garden for six weeks and uh, had a meeting in Lakeland, Florida with 8,000 people coming tonight before there was Facebook Live or anything like that and then everything that's going on at the river. It's not many times you get to hear somebody preach that was the lone pastor that went to jail to get churches opened up in the United States. And so I would like to take an additional 30 seconds and introduce somebody that God has used to change my wife's life and to change my life and I want everybody in Pittsburgh, since you don't have any football teams to clap for anymore, give a warm, large hand clap to Pastor Rodney Howard Brown. We love
1: you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, come on. Lift your hands and give Jesus all the glory of God and the praise. Father, tonight, here we are in this wonderful church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Lord, I didn't know a week ago I'd be here. I didn't even know Wednesday a week I would be here. I didn't even know Thursday afternoon I'd be here. And Lord, no one in their right mind leaves Florida and comes to Pittsburgh in the cold. but obviously you knew that we'd be here and you knew every person that is in this place and the overflow and even those watching would be right where they are right now and i pray that tonight would be night supernatural night where supernatural things will take place and there'll be things that will be sealed here for 2023 and beyond and, Lord, every person that's come hungry here tonight, I pray that you meet them. You meet them right at that place of their hunger. That when they leave this place, they say, surely the hand of the Lord came upon me. And the Lord touched me. And so, Holy Spirit, come now and do what you want to do. Take full control. Thank you for Jonathan and Dulles and the whole team, the family, just everyone. Thank you for what you're doing here in this wonderful church. And this is only the beginning. What you've done just in the past year is miraculous. And what will take place in 23 shall be miraculous. Lord, even between now and January of 24, they won't even recognize themselves. Father, we thank you for it. We give you praise. And we give you honor and glory. Now come and do what you want to do. We press in tonight. We're not in a hurry, but we'll press in. And we thank him. We give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Well, glory to God. Just <laughs> reach two or three people around you. Tell them you love them. Jesus loves them. And then you may be seated. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Say this on me, say, the Lord is good, Lord is good. And, his and His mercy endures forever. Say it again, say, the Lord is good, the Lord is good. And, his mercy and His mercy endures forever. One more time. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Well, I brought a whole group with me here tonight, because, you know, we... On a plane, you've got eight seats, I fill it. If I have ten seats, I fill it. Because I never go on an empty plane. So I brought, I introduced them to you. Evangelist Richard Moore, if you'd stand, please. He's traveling around the world, having great meetings. God's using him in a powerful way. Pastor Eric Mears out of Baltimore, Maryland. God's using him too. Pastor Tom Lightley from Florida. The Lord's using him. I brought Evangelist Unket, who's having crusades all across America. God sent him as a missionary. Today is his birthday, yeah. and uh, he just turned the big two eight today. So we, I said, there's a birthday party. You coming with me? And then I brought my son with me, Pastor, yeah. Pastor Kenneth. He had not been down here. I wanted him to come see what is taking place. Amen. And Pastor Eric Gornion, of course. Yeah. And then who else? Oh, Pastor Allen. I'm looking for you. Santa Pastor Allen horse. And I I think he's getting a thumbs down there from (laughs) Jonathan. I think I got everybody. And then, of course, I brought myself. And good to see my dear friends, Brother Ted and Bonnie. We love you so much. And just everybody that's here. Amen. I was going to wear a suit tonight, but... (laughs) When I saw who ran for the Senate, (laughs) I thought, man, I could just go there and wear a hoodie. So I must confess to you that in days where I don't feel like washing my hair or shaving or whatever, I'll get up, put a pair of shorts on, sockless shoes, and just put a hoodie on, walk around. And my wife said, what are you do?" I said, it's Fetterman for the day. <laughs> so uh, thanks to your senator. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's very funny to me. How Pennsylvania could even do that? I was like, what, really, I've been to Pennsylvania. People are not that crazy, but there you have it, and thanks to you, he's in the Senate. So, from a president who doesn't know where he is most of the time, <laughs> to a senator that has no clue what he where he is, but um, look anyway. Thank God for for Jesus and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen. Woo! Praise God. Let me leave all that nonsense alone. Uh, you know, we're just two weeks out from our our <laughs> winter camp meeting, so I'm going to play the clip for that. Just crank it up in the house, and it's two weeks away. So this whole this whole week, I believe, will be probably the most monumental camp meeting. And I, I know I say that leading into it, we do four of these big meetings a year. But because of what and where we are in America at this time. And God has spoken to me said, I want you to believe me to raise up 300 multi-millionaires in our church in Tampa. And then help the other churches do the same. And we started what, you know, years ago called kingdom business. So this is about the business of the kingdom, and we, if you think the devil's going to roll out what needs to happen, it ain't going to happen. It's going to take godly people that are going to step up to the plate, and I believe we're going to see some of the most amazing things, which we already are. We declared last year, the Lord said to me, it would be the year of the double, and truly it was the year of the double, and um, to give you an example of what's happening, you know, we Uh, Years ago, when we moved into our property, we we bought 83 acres right off the I-75, and I had just, uh, we'd had Madison Square Garden six weeks in the summer of 99, that cost us $6.7 million, then we went to Shreveport, Louisiana, and we (coughs) rented the Hirsch Coliseum for 6 weeks there. That cost us 1.6 million. And I still remember because people were excited to get behind New York, but they weren't really excited to get behind Shreveport for whatever reason. So we were like 300,000 short. And the Lord said to me, what would you do if you were in China? I said, I'd give my life. He said, don't get soft because you're living in America. So I said to my wife, I'm going to mortgage a house. And she said, we're almost going to have it paid off. I said, I'm mortgaging. I'm sticking in the crusade. So I mortgaged for about 300 grand. I got out, put it in the crusade. So the pastor of a church there said, well, you obviously couldn't have heard from God. You mortgaged your house to finish the crusade. I said, okay, that new building you built, um, did you pay cash for it or you mortgaged it? He said, I mortgaged it. I said, well, you couldn't have heard from God to (laughs) build that building then. I said, this is about souls. We had 47,459 people saved in New York. We had 59,000 saved in Shreveport in a town of 300,000. Now, Shreveport is listed as the city in America with the most churches ever, and that was in the year 2000. So the following year, the Lord uh, spoke to us. we were driving up the highway. The Lord said, buy that property. It was 83 acres. We didn't have any money, but the Lord said, buy it. And To cut out, make a long story short, we bought this property with no money for $8.3 million, and we walked in there. We didn't exchange anything. We just took over the property. I'm also an African, if you don't realize, and I know once you've got your foot on the property, it's yours, you know. Uh, I mean, I'll just squat. So we, we, we took over the property, and uh, then we ended up getting the financing for it from a very conservative Christian lending institution who said we don't actually lend to Pentecostals or Charismatics. We only led to, you know, very conservative, you know, if you saw the pictures of them, they were, you know, real accountants, pencil pushers. I mean, and they, you know, they didn't like anything to do with the power of God. But they said, we looked at your financials and we said amongst ourselves, that we've never seen a ministry spend so much money outside of themselves with no benefit back to themselves that we feel you deserve this piece of property. We're going to give you the loan. And with no money down, we walked straight in, took over the whole property. It was, it was all supernatural. But, so we moved in there in the year 2001. And uh, then we were doing crusades. So we never put anything into our property. We just Everything was about the harvest and souls. And I'm talking about then mass crusades, you know, uh, you'll hear a little bit about um, in 2002, I'll talk a little bit about my daughter going home to be the Lord, the vow that I made. And 2002, we actually broadcast from the property, went live across Asia into 100 million homes. And God was starting to do something with television worldwide, but, you know, when you have that pull to go to the nations, you have to, you have to go. And so we started doing mass crusades, and then we begin to run across America to many different cities. We, we saw in uh, 57 cities in 27 months, we saw 1.1 million people saved across America going into the inner cities. And uh, I'm talking about 2007, seven, eight, and nine, And then, you know, anyway, but we never did ever pay our property off and we never did do anything to it. I mean, and one of the things... I'm now, I started the ministry in 1980, so you can work out. I'm starting my 44th year in the ministry. We've been to many churches. We took all the offerings, gave it away, helped them buy their property, helped them buy their television equipment, helped them go on television, Help. I mean, just what we've done around the world. We teach on giving, we take an offering, but many times we just, we give it away. It's just, that's the way that our whole ministry has been. We, we give, we probably give away more product than any ministry, I know, because they make money off the product. I, I don't make any money off my product. We give it all away, and that's just the way that it's been. You know, so people think we're going to do a book so you can make some money. We, we don't make money on our books. So somebody said, well, how do you fund your ministry? Uh, we, we pray. It's kind of a novel idea, but we pray. And so I didn't ever... I mean, I thought to myself, I don't know how long will you take to pay this place off, let alone build what needs to be built here on this property. Little did I know, (laughs) as we were running to 300 cities of the world, and then in early part of 2020, everything goes nuts, and I get arrested and go to prison. Which, by the way, none of you came to visit me in there. I was actually there for 40 minutes. And fell asleep in the present, And then a certain evangelist capitalized off of my mugshot. <laughs> which is just, how low can you go? <laughs> but from that moment of where everything exploded. Everything exploded to where there's nothing on paper. You should not even you can't even explain how that can be that everything going to explode from that moment but it did i mean to give you an idea the last 3 years we've our ministry has given away 20 million dollars to other ministries so that tells you how things have exploded so at the end of 2021, we were able to burn the mortgage on the property, pay off everything. So totally debt free. And then, you know, everybody wanted me to build a new sanctuary, but I, did, I said, I like this one. Yeah, but you can build another one. I don't like it. They would give me all the plans and I looked at it and I would go, oh, <laughs> if they build that for me, I will leave the church. I hated it. Everything I saw, I hated it. It was just like not, it was on in the inside of me. And I kept thinking about it. And when, when you go back in the archives and you look 2005 and six and seven, I kept saying, I see balconies in you. Everybody says, you can't put balconies. I said, I see balconies. And I would even, at the altar call, while everybody's coming and say, I see your hand up at the balcony on that side. And there was no balconies. Everybody's visitors looking like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> there are no balconies. But I kept seeing balconies. And we pulled footage from the early 2000s, from the late 2000s, and then into 2012, 14, me talking about balconies. And then they keep giving me these plans for this building outside. Little did I know God would give us that big pavilion. I didn't know. And that thing went up. Within three and a half weeks, the first phase of it went up. That thing went up, all sound, everything you could put. If you wanted to fit them in, you could put. It's 70,000 square foot. You can put 10,000 people in there. African style, I get 20,000 in there. <laughs> and so I felt it's time to do the balconies. And so to make a long story short, I mean, architects, I don't know what their story is, but we had to fire the first set. took seven months too long, so it drove the price of steel went through the roof. So it ended up costing me probably $2.5 maybe $3 million more just because of architects. You know, so we fired them, and then the other architects were delaying two months. I said, "Start building." They said, "We don't have the plans." I said, "Build without plans. We'll make the plans as we build." So that's what we started to do, and we are now 13 days—well, you know, 13 days, 12 days from the opening of the new sanctuary. 12 days. And what I'm about to show you was in August that was a functioning sanctuary. It, everything, everybody was in there. In August this last year. We gutted it. And then of course there was a couple of miscalculations, not on the design, but on the financial stuff. And they told me and it was adding another five million and I was very upset about it. Because I'm a bottom line person. I want to know what you know what the story is. And people blow smoke, you know, through whatever reason. They sometimes people Tell you what they think you want to hear. I don't want to hear what you think I want to hear. You can tell me how bad it is. I'll then will make the decision. Because I know how to pray. Are you with me? So it took me a couple of days to calm down. There were people that were gonna be sent to the gulag. I can promise you, you know. So I had to really pray. And then the Lord spoke to me said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Forget about that. Do this and do this, do this. So I walked in the ministry and said, yes, what are we are going to do? We're going to do this. And I said, I want you to take it and spread it out. And I want you to spread it out through the end of January and we'll dedicate it to the January camp meeting. They said, Pastor, we can do it. I said, yes, we will do it. I said, we're on a timeline. And I feel very urgent in my spirit because there's major stuff we have to still build. And I said, I don't have time to delay. This is not something we can take five years to do. I have to build everything in the next 32 months because we have a window and we can't delay. So it was like believing God for a mass crusade every two weeks because we were spending a million dollars over budget every two weeks. And then at the stand, I told my guys, you keep you preach. I'm not going to, you weren't going to see me up every night. I'm not trying to raise any funds or whatever. I, it, this is God's deal. The Lord said, I didn't ask you to pay for it. I just said to you, believe for it. And so when we spread it out, um, <laughs> when, when they told me in October, we had only paid $3 million on everything, on, on a building that was going to cost $10.3 million at you know, when they finally broke it down to me. And so I was just, I said, okay, Lord, this is you. Here we are. We're going to see a parting of the Red Sea. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't really care how you're going to do it, but there's the finances are there and I'm just going to call them in from the North, the South, the East and the West. And uh, here we are two weeks out. And I'll just tell you the miracle so to give you an idea, I mean, some weeks 550,000 above budget, some weeks six, seven 700,000 above budget. And I mean, all you do is I just go home and pray, you know. I also have a cattle farm. I have 41 cows now, so I can just go talk to my cows. They don't argue with me. They just chew like a bunch of you sitting here chewing it tonight. And, um, but anyway, and just talk to the Lord. And so um, this week, we're spending four ninety over budget. Next week, four ninety over budget. The following week, three eighty. Then another four hundred thousand on TV and sound. So we now now here's the miracle. So from back then, how much we had to pay? We only owe one point eight million dollars. We've already paid eight point two million cash for everything. million. So in the next three weeks, by the by the camp meeting, because we'll we'll pay it in full. You'll see it happen. We, we would have paid $10.3 million cash for everything. So we're not even going to burn a note because there is no note. We're just going to have a giant celebration of what God's doing and make room. We're making room. So the auditorium on the ground seats 1,800 and 1,000 seats in the air. So there's 2,800 seats. And then there's 100 new restrooms that are built. 30 on either side of the ground, and 20 on either side upstairs. Mother's rooms. I mean, we can have 100 mothers nursing babies up there. And it's like even our own pastors, when I take them around, because it's a construction zone, so we don't know anybody in there. But right, we did an all-night prayer meeting. Friday night, we started at 6, went all the way through to 6 o'clock in the morning. I said to the pastors, if you haven't seen let me take on a tour. And I took them through everything, and they were just standing with their jaw dropped open. In actual fact, when you stand on the balcony, they look and think, Pastor, you've talked this for years. Some of them have been with me for 20, Pastor Eric's been with me 26 years. He said, you talked about this. The and, and there's people that have been in there and said, where are we? Where are we? I said, I think we're in the River Church. And then I told the church last night, I said, when you come in here on Sunday morning, the 22nd, and we start this journey in the new sanctuary, I said, the only thing that will be old in the building will be you. Because everything is new. New carpet, new sound, new chairs, new lights, new TV, new, new. everything is brand spanking new. State of the art. And it is, it is built solid. It's a solid steel structure. Built by shipbuilders. That actually, fact, when they dug down to put the footage in, they had to strengthen their plans because the building was already built like a bomb shelter. So anyway, let me show you what, what has happened. And all of this has happened in seven months. Right now we have 80 people working around the clock on the building. It's like beehive is going in. When I, when I land back in Tampa at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'll be walking through that building at 2.30 to go see what's going on. And it's like bees working there. I mean, everybody's doing something, and that's what's happening, and it'll run right. People said, you won't be ready. I said, trust me, we'll be ready. So let me roll the clip. I want to show you what the Lord's doing. This is all the Lord. Roll it. So, I'm telling you, I've been in the ministry a long time. I've traveled many churches. I've never seen in any place, and I thought I've seen miracles, but I've never seen a miracle like what's just happening now. So, if I'm bragging, I'm not bragging on us because it has nothing to do with us. It's God, and it's all God. Can you say amen? amen. So um, supernatural, man, Lord have mercy. It's supernatural. At the same time, reaching around the world by satellite television and nightly on TV across America and then many other things that we're doing. And, uh, but I just sort of come and encourage you with that because I know what God's about to do here. I understand the transition, yeah, I understand the transition that's taking place, and I know where you are right now, but I know where the land is coming, and then everything's going to come, and if God can do that in Tampa in seven months, what's He going to do here? So I'm just telling you, it's going to happen. It's going to happen quickly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Were you ready for the Word? Okay. I know Pastor Jonathan said to take an offer. We'll do something near the end. But I want to share with you something that when the we came into the new year, the Lord spoke to me about. We always pray about the new year coming in. One of the things that my wife and I have always done is we use it as a time to make a vow to the Lord. Because without his help, we can't do what God's called us to do. And I know people say, well, you've been in the ministry long enough. You could just step back and ease back. But God didn't put me and bring me to this point to ease back. I'm going to slam this thing until I can't anymore. Until I have to say, you know, I'm out of here. And I don't know when that time is. Amen. Trust me, I'm not going to hang around one day longer but I'm not leaving one day shorter because there's a job of work that has to be done. And uh, so God spoke to us about this and we did this with our church right on the 31st of December to see the new year in. And uh, go with me to Genesis 28. Genesis chapter 28. And I'm going to read to you from verse 10. If you're watching now in your homes, wherever you are, pay close attention because the Lord wants to do something here for you tonight. If you're in the overflows, wherever you are, don't leave before the end. Verse 10, and Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set and took the stones of that place and put them for his pillows, which... I can never understand taking stones and using them for a pillow. But a said he lay down in their place to sleep. So you could say he was between a rock and a hard place. But as I read this passage, because if you read through this, it, he goes on to make a vow. People in comfortable places never make vows. They just don't. There's no reason to make a vow. It's when you're in a hard place... And you need a miracle, are you with me? I mean, when I get told things, and I have to change everything around, and now suddenly I need a supernatural injection into this whole thing. I need a miracle you you you, you get on your face, you go lock yourself in your room you, you you pray you 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 shut off outside voices. are you with me, and you get alone with God, and you begin to deal with the Lord, you begin to make business. You do business with God, which is what kingdom business is about. Anyway, so he lies down to sleep and he has a dream. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached the heavens. And behold, the angel of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I'm the Lord, the God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac, the land whereon." Thou liest, to thee I will give to you and your seed, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south, and in thee and thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places, whither thou goest, and bring thee again to this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob woke out of the place and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't know it. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? How terrible is this place? Which is a holy awe, because if you have a dream like that, it shakes you to the very core. As I know what happened to me in the early hours of the morning of March the 17th, 2020, when a fire came into my room, it was terrible. It was glorious, but it was... It, was, it shook you to the core. And so he says here, yeah, this is none other but the house of God and the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he put as pillows and set them up for a pillar. So the hard place became an altar. The hard place became an altar, and then he poured oil on top of it in worship to God, and he called the name of the place of Bethel, but the name of the city at first was Luz. And then he vowed a vow. And he said, if God will be with me and will keep me in the way. Now, first of all, he, got, he had a dream and God told him, I'm going to do all that for you. So now, what do you mean? But the dream was so awesome that you wondered to yourself, was that God? Is it God? What's, what, am I going crazy? Is this real or whatever? Okay, so if it is God, okay. Then if, if he said he'd do that, if he will do that for me and he'll do that for me and he'll do that for me. See, what was he doing? He wasn't asking God for anything God hadn't already told him I'm going to do. God had already said, I'm going to do all this for you. So he's actually repeating to God what God spoke to him in a dream and just basically saying, if what you said is real, if what you said is real, If you keep me in this way, that I go, and will, keep me, will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, that I come to my father's house in peace, and the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that thou shalt give me, I will give a tenth to you. God didn't even ask you for that. He just said, so here's what happens when a vow comes in place. So, okay, Lord, if you're going to do all that for me, then let me tell you, if you're doing that for me, here's what I'm going to do for you. There's a lot of people in the church world today, they receive the word of the Lord, but they don't reciprocate. They don't come back and say, okay, here it is in fine print. You said this, you said this, you said this, you said this. If you mean that, if you'll do that for me, then let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. That's a vow. That's like doing a deal with God. Now somebody said, you can't do that. He said, Do it. He said, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord of hosts. Yeah. He said, Come on, ye me concerning the work of my hands. When you look down through the centuries and the years, people that God has used are individuals that got alone with God, that read the word, that took it literally, and said, If that's what you're saying to me, then if you do that, and you do this, and you do this, let me tell you what I'm going to do. Somebody said, You're crazy. I have never met anybody that has not been use of God that isn't crazy <laughs> to the natural mind. Amen. Starting with Noah who built an ark. <laughs> Abraham who left where he was to go to a place he didn't even know what he's looking for. Amen. And God reveals himself to him and said, I am. I'm El Shaddai which that's what the Lord told me this year for the body of Christ to be known as the year of El Shaddai, the year of the God that's more than enough. The year where everything is promised to you shall come to pass. And I'm not talking about in one realm. I'm talking about personally. I'm talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about in your marriage, in your home, in your children, in your grandchildren, in your business, in your ministry. This is it. 2023. The year of El Shaddai. The God that is more than enough. Last year we said it was the year of the double. I, I couldn't put into words what I was feeling for this year because it wasn't even treble. It wasn't even quadruple. It was over and above. It was exceedingly abundantly. And all, the only thing, I said, Lord, I said, come on now. You've got to tell me what this is. He said, well, it's the year where everything I promised my people shall come to pass. I said, that's great. I can't, I can't put that out like that. What are you talking about? He said, tell them it's the year of El Shaddai. That people will know me as El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. So I think about this in my own personal life. A rock and hard place is a defining moment. In these three years leading now, 23, 24, 25, for the world, it's going to be held. I'm telling you, you don't want to be a sinner in the next three years. A sinner, <laughs> you better get saved. And you better serve God with all your heart. You don't want to be wishy-washy, one foot in, one foot out. Are you with me? Yes. There will continue to be wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, plagues, sickness, disease, poverty, lack, death, and destruction. Because that's how the world operates and has since the fall of man. So, But I'm not here to talk about the world. I'm here to talk about the church. But the church, great harvest, financial overflow, occupying till he comes, taking territory and I'm talking about the church. New churches spring up Bible schools and new ministers launched to the far-flung corners of the globe. Yeah. There's some of you sitting here that within three years, you'll be fulfilling the destiny of what God has for your life. I'm trying to get your hands together, get a bit more of a clap going. <laughs> what do you think is this? A Joe Biden political rally? All their birth. All right, sorry for bringing up the natural. Now, it's a defining moment, and I've had those moments. I can remember many times as a kid where I made a vow to God. Now, some of the stuff wasn't major, but to a kid, it's big. Are you with me? I can remember sitting in my house with my stamp collection, looking at the stamps. Holding the stamp of Mongolia, thinking to myself, I wonder how I'll ever get there. China, Argentina, can pull up all the stamps, and I've been now in 85 countries. But I knew God had call me in the ministry, but how would I get there? And in my own little way, already i had chosen. Everybody can go that way, I'm going this way. You kind of make a little a childish vow, you know, to the Lord. I wish I could say it was like some major thing. I told the Lord at the age of nine; it wasn't, you know, just had a dream. But one of the defining moments and life-changing moments for me came 1978 in August. Was I have two older brothers—one 12 years older than me, one 14 years older than I. And he died suddenly of leukemia, which was actually a chemical thing where the the stuff got into his blood. And within six months, he was dead. And so myself and my older brother went in there and we prayed that God would raise him from the dead, you know. And um, the Lord spoke to both of us, said, I want to bring him back, but he didn't want to come back. Somebody said, what do you mean? When you get to the other side, you won't want to come back. (laughs) there's nothing in the world that would make you want to come unless the lord said you have to go back and if you go back i'm going to use you this way i'm going to give you that 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 really you would tell the lord lord seriously (laughs) i like can i just stay here i don't want to go back so i can remember i was really mad you know my brother was in the ministry we had a music group together. He taught me to play guitar. I mean, many things. I look, you look up to your big brother. And I remember standing by, his, there's his cold corpse. And this is August 1978. And I said, my brother walked out of the room, and it's just me and my older brother. And I said, i make a vow today. Devil, you're going to pay for what you've done to my family. And I didn't even know what I'm saying. I said, people are going to laugh at you all over the world. They're going to laugh at you. All over the world. I didn't know God would give me a ministry of joy. And truly that has happened. Joy everywhere. There'll be joy here tonight in a little while. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> in a place that produced fetamine it's hard to believe that. Who teased you? But I made that vow. Then another vow that the Lord had quickened to my spirit was in 1985, I was part of a huge ministry in Southern Africa teaching in the school, and the persecution was so rife because, I mean, you what was I? I mean, we got married in 1981. I was 20. She was 19, so 85. What, I was 24. 23, 24, you know. And you're under major persecution. I mean, they mock you. I'd go and teach in the Bible school, and I'd walk out and say, Did you get them all saved? I mean, they would mock me. I mean, it's terrible when you have other instructors, and they're really doing it because they're jealous, you know. Are you with me? I'd get up, and 20 minutes into my lecture, the whole classroom's under the power. I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't try to cause trouble. And I walked in, and the dean of the school, mouthed off at me, and he comes out of this world of, you know, big chef and cuisine and whatever, whatever and he'd left that to come to the ministry. And uh, I didn't mean to, but I was walking by, and he mouthed off at me, and I grabbed him by the scruff of his neck, and I took him, and I shoved him up against the wall, and I, I held him up like this and said, "'Back off!' I said, "'When everything fails for you, you go back to cooking.'" I have nothing else other than the call of God. Now back off. And then he looked at me and I let him him down. (laughs) Amen. Amen. And he he never bothered me again, but but the persecution was rife. So, I mean, I'm teaching here in this large Bible school and uh, teaching twice a day. And then often, twice in the morning, twice at night, often it's free, so I'm playing golf. I'm staying on this golf course. In a little apartment thing Donic Donnick and I had. And um, I, right on the 13th hole, just off, you know, obviously not in the course. It wasn't a golf community. I was <laughs> off, but I could see the whole course right there. And then I'd have to go around, ride right around there. They played the South African Open there every year. And so I will remember pulling my golf cart, just walking, because you don't have riding carts there. You have to walk everywhere. And I'm pulling it along. And, I, and I, I was by myself, and it was an afternoon, and I'm weeping, and I said, God, what you put in me is to go around the world. I've, I know that. I've known that since I was a little boy. All I get here is, 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 is get mocked night and day. People always trying to take shots at me, always trying to pull me down. And I said, I said, Lord, I promise you that if you get me out of here, I'll carry this everywhere I can go, and I'll give it away. I'll just give it all away. I'll help as many people as I can. Because all I see here is people trying to not help people. All I see is people trying to stop people. All I see is people jealous of other people. I promise you I'll give away my home ministry. I'll help as many people get to wherever they need to go. If you can get me out of here. Please, get me out of here. Whatever you do, get me out of here. And that was... 85, 86, upright 87, we made the first missionary journey to America, two, and moved over December 1987, landed there with $300. Revival broke out in 89, upstate New York, in 1990 began to spread. 91, 92, 93 exploded in Central Florida. Over 100,000 people came through the doors with no social media, no internet, nothing, just word of mouth. 94 across America in many different cities, and 95, 23 international arenas. So I'm back there 10 years after make a vow walking on the golf course, and I'm back there, and I thought, I'd like to go play that course one afternoon. We had a day off. And I went to the course, and I'm I'm, I'm on the exact hole. I looked at the little apartment where Donnick and I used to live, and I'm walking along. And the Lord said, son, you remember this? I said, I remember this. He said, you remember praying here? He said, now, what have I done in 10 years, son? I said, oh, you took me, you took me, Lord, by your hand, and you carried me to nations. He said, I honor a vow. I heard you cry. And people, you make a vow, don't tell, don't tell many people. People look at you like you're crazy. And then they work to try to undo your vow. You know what I mean? Yeah. He made a vow to God. I'll make sure I vow he'll never do that. <laughs> so it shook me. I, co- I couldn't even finish the game. I, I finished. There was a 13th hole. I, I wrapped up. I'm going home. <laughs> I was overwhelmed because I was suddenly, I saw the little place. I saw where God had moved us now. And what have you done? And I mean, it's, this is remarkable. You know, when you look at the journey, when you see that it's truly been in the hand of God. Because when we came to America, revival broke out. All the denominations are mad because they said he didn't come through the ranks. You didn't come through. You didn't meet the criteria of Springfield, Missouri, and uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, and Tulsa, Oklahoma. You, you, didn't, you didn't kiss the ring. You, didn't, you came from nowhere. Suddenly, people are coming by the thousands. They didn't like it because normally you have to come through the ranks. If you think the political ranks are crazy, try the church ranks. That's why when God led us into the governmental realms, I understood it because I already knew that spirit. I knew that spirit. I dealt with that spirit many, many times. Are you with me? God does not take the vow lightly. And then the Lord. Reminded me, of course, every Christmas I share the story of Kelly, my daughter, who was born with cystic fibrosis, and on Christmas Day, which has passed one of 20 years now, she was 18 years old. She died in my arms. She just ran out of lungs, and it'd been an 18-year-long fight. And I made a vow that day. I said to the devil, "It's going to cost you now, and you'll pay." A hundred million souls, and a billion dollars in the world missions. And I believe we just crossed over forty-four million decisions for Christ worldwide. Yeah. Hallelujah. And I can remember, in that was two thousand and two, two thousand and three. I was driving out of my house. The place God put us this February, 20 years, we moved in there. And I was driving out of the house and the power of God, I was worshiping in my car and the power of God hit me. I couldn't, I couldn't even see the road. I mean, I was just weeping and I heard the audible voice of the Lord and he said, I brought the first vow to pass. I'll bring the second one to pass. And then I had to pull over the side of the road and pull myself together because I'd be arrested for drunk driving. And you can't drive drunk. You know what I mean? I mean, you can't. You just can't. I mean, I'm talking about drunk of the new wine. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. The the new wine of heaven that comes from the grapes that have been freshly squeezed. That come from the vineyards of God. I pray God give you one grape a month. One grape will keep you drunk for the full month. And you'll be under the influence. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You don't need a whole bottle, just a grape, <laughs> one grape, and we'll carry you. And so I made, I made that vow, and God honors that vow. So people say, we, that guy's crazy. How do you make a vow of 100 million souls and a billion dollars in the world missions? You weren't there. You weren't there in the intensive care unit at the Tampa General Hospital. You didn't hold your daughter in your arms. It has nothing to do with you. It's a deal between me and God. And there's people in this room tonight and those that are watching in your homes that have been between a rock and a hard place and have been in situations that you've cried out to God. Let me tell you, God honors the bow. He hears the cry of his people. He's not dead. He's not sleeping. His ear is not deaf. His arm is not short. God's not a big God with little tiny arms. <laughs> people think God's a big God, but he has his little tiny arms. I'll try to help you, son. (laughs) I really want to help you. But my hands are short. I really want to help you. And then we try to help God. God doesn't need your help. He just needs you to make yourself available. And He needs you to yield. And do only what He tells you to do. The way forward, the way forward, and I'm focused on the next three years. Only do what He tells you to do. Do not do anything else. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. i tell you right now, people say, come over here, go over here. They'll offer you this, offer you that, and every kind of thing in between. Only do what God tells you to do, and you'll be safe. You'll be fine. Everything will be great. So people say, oh, you need to do this. I can't. I can't right now. With with, with Jacob, it was a dream, then a vow, and then his his tithe, and then it came to pass exactly what God said. If God will be with me, keep me in this way that I go. If God will give me food to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And the stone, which I've set up as a monument, shall be a sacred place to me. Well, where is that? We don't, we're not asking you to go back to your house and put a stone in the backyard and pour oil on it. It's the, it's the church, the place where you worship. Everybody here should be involved in church. Everybody should have a place. And you live in this region. This is a great place to be. Are you with me? And I believe everybody here that's a part of Revival Today Church is gonna be a part of seeing what happens here as the acceleration takes place, as the property, the land comes in, and then if you can see what God's done there in seven months, you'll see what he'll do here in a matter of, and it'll all be paid and everything will be paid, cash, and there'll be no lack. Yes. Yes. Can you say amen? You know, during this time, we received a call from a private bank in Tampa, which where we banked, and they said, you're such a good client. If you need, we'll give you a line of credit for $10 million. I told my wife, that's a lying devil from hell. I don't want any $10 million from any bank. That means we burned a note at the end of 2021, and I've got to get up at the beginning of 23 and say, we have another note, guys. We have another note. No! We're going to see the hand of God. God's going to bring it to pass. He's going to get the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So at an altar, which is the place we worship, we pour oil. We bring our gifts, our offerings, and it's our worship. We bring to the Lord that which he has blessed us with, and we honor him with that. And then we'll see what he's about to do. Now... I want to go to the second half of this here, which I'm going to call this part, the first part, you didn't realize it was the first part of this, the second part, first part which I could call the vow, the second part, which I'm going to talk about now, I'm checking my time here, the power of, of a vow, because the thing is the moment you make that vow, things begin to work. And God is the one working on your behalf. Not only is God working on your behalf, but the angels are working. Angels, angelic hosts, are begin to work on your behalf. While you're sleeping, they're working. And God is moving to turn things and to move things and favor, supernatural favor, It's not that you're out there looking for anything. It all comes looking for you. You didn't ask for it. You made the vow. And the vow is to do with the will and the way and the plan and the purpose of God. And then God begins to bring it to pass. And you begin to see it begin to take place. Now, we saw here. What happened with Jacob, which is huge. But go back with me to Genesis 22. And let's look at his grandfather. Let's see. Because a vow is generational. Do you realize that you make a vow, it's going to affect everybody? Yes. It's going to affect your children and your children's children. When you go back and look at Grandpa Shuttlesworth, you can see stuff was working there that now is working through the sons and the grandsons and the great-grandsons. This thing's not going to stop. It's spreading to other generations because God honors that. God honors holy men that make holy covenants with Him. Whether people like it or not, it has nothing to do with them. It's out of their league. It's not their business. Other churches can say what they want to, but God has, and he recognizes the vow and the power of that vow. Now, so let's go to this here because you're going to see this here in Genesis 22. It came to pass after these things, verse 1, that God had tempted Abram, and he said to Abram, and he said, behold, I'm here. So God tested him. Life is about a test, and you write tests. How many have written some tests? Nobody here. Okay. How many have written some tests? A few people here. Okay. All right. Well, okay. Never written a test. Can I try this again? Should I speak? What, what do you want to speak? In Spanish? I mean, are you legally here in America? Do you understand the language? I'm asking your question. How many have ever written tests? Did you get a driver's license? Did you have to test for it? Yeah. Then raise your hand then. It's like, I'm trying to get a response here. But just like, So God says, Abram, he said, behold, I'm here. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac. So he's he's using verbiage. He's using covenant verbiage because he'd already revealed himself to him in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. I'm almighty God, walk thou before me and be thou perfect. That's before he changed his name from Abram to Abraham and her name from Sariah to Sarah. And Abraham means father of many nations. Sarah means mother of many nations. So that when he called her and she called him, she was saying, Abraham, father of many nations. And she was saying, yeah, uh, sorry. She said, Abraham, father of many nations. He said, yes, mother of many nations. And they didn't have Isaac. They waited 25 years for Isaac to come. But God revealed himself to him as El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. So he says, take now your son, your only son. Does that wording sound familiar? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So what you see portrayed out here is a type and shadow of God the Father and Jesus. Abraham, the Father God. Isaac, Jesus. Isaac means laughter. Because that Sarah could bring forth a child... When she was 90 years old. And he was 99. So take now your son, your only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I'll tell thee of. And Abram rose up early in the morning and settled his ass, which is his donkey, by the way. She's <laughs> got to read that out there to people here in America. They don't know what that is. Oh God, help us. People can't speak English. Anyway, he took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place which God told him of. So it goes on to say, yeah, then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place of fall off. And Abraham said, his young men abide here with the ass. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac. And he took the fire in his hand. Which is interesting. You could not travel without fire in those days. You had to have fire with you. And it had to be burning at all times because you're going to need it. And I want to just say this. You better have fire with you. You better have fire in you, and it'll be be, be burning at all times because you're going to need it. You carry it with you. You don't don't go looking for fire. You're in trouble when you're trying to get a light from somebody. Are you with me? You're not going to get a light from an internet uh, podcast. (laughs) Anyway, I'll leave it alone. How I many you know, fire doesn't, and I understand the fire of the Spirit, but I'm just telling you right now, you actually have to have somebody with a flame give you a flame. A flame can't come through a computer, all right, and I understand the Holy Ghost because we've had fire of God hit people through the screen, I understand that, but don't forsake the gathering of yourself together, that's all I'm saying. He took the fire in his hand the knife, and they went together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father. Now, he wasn't stupid a kid. He was brilliant. And he said, my father, he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself a lamb for burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. So, so you could see this in Abraham the father, then Isaac the son, and then it obviously was passed on to Jacob because that's, what he, that's where he got his idea of building an altar. Are you with me? That's what we teach our children and our children's children. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Kenneth kids, the grand twins, they just turned four and little Jet was coming down uh, the the, the stairs and fell and Kennedy, she's four years old, she ran up to him, stuck her hand on him and she said, in the name of the God of my mother be healed. (laughs) I said, Kenneth, she left out in the name of the God of my father and the God of my grandfather. She went directly to the mother. So anyway. (laughs) Whatever. But little guy gets up and runs around. Totally fine. So kids grab a hold of it. They're four years old. They grab a hold of it. Amen. Amen. So the Bible says they built an altar. They would. And then he bound Isaac. his son. Now, what kid is just going to be quiet as his father's tying him up to put him on an altar? What kid? I don't know any kid that's going to say, oh, you're going to use me. Oh, nice. What are you doing? Help. Help, somebody. The old man's lost his mind. He says he heard from God. He's going to kill me. But obviously he trusted the God of his father. He must have seen major things in his life as a kid just growing up to even trust his father. But it's so like Jesus, as a sheep before his shearers is dumb. He opened not his mouth. And so you hear Isaac just, yes, okay. And he ties him up, puts him on the altar. So, what does God do? God comes and he tests you, and he always tests you with something. That's precious. Not and I'm not asking you to put your kid on altar. Listen, somebody said, Oh, thank God. This is what I've been praying for. Johnny drives me nuts. And I was there, Pastor road, and he said I can sacrifice him to God. I'm going to a mountaineer in Pennsylvania and I'm going to torch the dude. And I'll give him to God. Because I can't handle him myself. I'm not telling you to do that, please. This is a new covenant. Do no one sacrifice any children. Please. And I saw a mother's face light up for a moment. No. (laughs) (laughs) The bottom line is God always touches you where your heart is. The vow, if it doesn't touch you, if it doesn't move you, how is it going to move God? How will it move God? Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called him out of heaven and said, he said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, you are Lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. So God, God will see how far you're going to go. You know, if I'm going to do all this for you, what are you going to do for me? What was God actually doing? God was checking to see if Abraham was prepared to take his son, his only son, then according to the covenant which he'd made, which even that was wild, where God pierced him and said, I want you to circumcise yourself and all your men. I mean, he's a grown man. If you're going to circumcise a, a, a man, you do it in the eighth day. You don't do it when he's walking around, you know. <laughs> and, so, and then he has to go tell all his men, come here, where you go? <laughs> the Lord spoke to me. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and get the knives out, boys. We're going to do some cutting here. People say... He flipped his lid. He's gone crazy. Now we're going to cut ourselves. What in the world? Are you with me? So, I mean, there were many tests along the way. He'd already, he already done what God had required of, of him. Now God wants to see are you, are you going to take your son? And, and it was a type of the father, Abraham, Isaac, a type of the son. And God was going to take Jesus, his only son, and sacrifice him amen. for us. Amen. Can you say amen? You know, people read stories like they don't even see the connection between the Father and Jesus. They don't see it. And so, lay not your hand. I see you fear God, and that you will not withhold your son, your only son. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, behold him, there was a ram caught in the thicket. And Abraham took the ram, offered him up a burnt offering. instead of his son, and Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. Jehovah-Jireh is the place God provides. Jehovah Jireh is a place. El Shaddai is the person. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jehovah Jireh is the place. El Shaddai is the person. Man, I I feel it right now. I feel it all over me. It's like liquid fire, right? Running all over my body right now. Amen. Jehovah Jireh, the place. El Shaddai, the person. And God revealed himself to his people this year as El well, I? And the angel of the Lord called unto neighbor out of heaven a second time and said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, because thou hast done this thing and not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing thee I will bless thee. In multiplying I will multiply thee as the seed of stars of the heaven and the sand which has borne the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gates of, thy, of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, what people don't know, Mount Moriah and Mount Calvary was a stone's throw away. So when Abraham looked up the angel said, don't kill your son, he looked up. Not only did he see the ram caught in the thicket, he looked up and saw Jesus hanging on the cross. Because it's right there. And the Bible even says in the New Testament, Abraham saw the day. So he saw Jesus hanging on Calvary. He saw what the father was going to do now because he was prepared to take his son, his only son. God said, because you prepared to do that, now watch what I'm going to do? What's what I'm going to do now? That's how it works. Somebody said, yeah, but we're not under the old covenant. All that stuff passed away. No, it's not. There's 8 billion people on the planet, and God's doing deals with people, and people are making deals with God. And there's people in different parts of the world, just like I was a little boy in Africa crying out to God, and I made some deals with God, and I found myself in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania here tonight. And there are people here tonight, whether you on this main floor, on other floors, overflow, you're watching in your home, but you've been crying out to God. You think God doesn't hear? He hears everything, and he honors every vow, and he will bring it to pass. If you mean business with God, God means total business with you. Can you say amen? Amen. Because it's covenant, and it's generational. The test, the past, the results. Take your son, your only son. Okay, I'll do it. Okay, don't. Stop. Don't kill him. What's what I'm going to do now? Hallelujah. 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 And we see the continuation in what happened with Isaac. So seed in the time famine received Samuel a hundredfold. And then Jacob. And you followed all the way down through the lineage. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Now, if you see me looking up, it's not because I saw an angel. I'm looking up at the clock. Someone said, I saw him gaze up. What's he looking at? There's a clock up there. You could put it right above my head. I mean, you shouldn't put it that angle. I could be having to do that to look at the clock. May I suggest a clock just put on the ceiling? <laughs> Normally, you have a clock there I like. where am I (laughs) now I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture here tonight but this is important the word is important I want you now to go with me to Matthew 26 This, this slammed me the other day and I preached on this Many, 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 many times. And uh, the Lord wrecked me with this. For, for the only God knows, man, how many times. But I, I saw something on, it was started Sunday morning. Yes. The 1st of, of, of January. Verse 6. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came a woman having alabaster box of very precious perfume or ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. And when these disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, "For what purpose is this waste?" Well, we know that was Judas Iscariot who didn't like it, so he was moaning. For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus understood it, he said, "Why trouble you, the woman? She's wrought a good thing, a good work upon me." For you always have the poor monkey, you, but you're not always happy. In pouring this perfume on my body, she's done something to prepare me for my burial. And this is why I share it everywhere I go. Verily, I say unto you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, there shall also this that the woman has done will be told in memory of her. So that's why every week, everywhere I go in the world, I share the scripture because I hear many preachers preach, but they never talk about this woman. This is the gospel in manifestation. Now, somebody said, well, what do you mean? Well, first of all, you have to understand her background, where she came from, and the fact that Jesus had totally transformed her life. And so she was so thankful, she knew the cost of that oil, which was equivalent to one year's salary, you know, because that's why they were indignant. It was so costly that everybody knew what it cost, and they felt it should have been sold and money given to the poor, but it was hers. And she wanted to worship God and she poured it on Jesus, on the head of Jesus. Now, we're talking costly perfume. We're not talking about the perfume that the husband buys the wife because he forgot the anniversary and he stopped by the CVS and picked up some perfume for 25 bucks. Or Walgreens, yeah. Picked up some perfume. Oh, honey, look what I got here. It's it's got a smell for 20 minutes and then it's gone. Are you with me? Yeah. Just like some alcohol mixed with a fragrance. <laughs> Costly perfume will get into your pores and actually stay with you a day or two or even three or even four or five. I mean, I'm talking about the very expensive perfume. So here he pauses on Jesus. They're in the house of Simon the leper. Leprosy represents sin. Lazarus was there, which represents death. The fragrance filled the room and blocked out the smell of sin and death. Okay. And it was her worship that did it. And it was her sacrifice of pouring everything that she had on the head of Jesus. And he said, wherever the gospel is preached, will be told in memory of her. We're remembering this woman here tonight and proof to you. That I'm preaching the gospel. Because he said, Jesus, the head of the church, said, whatever the gospel is preached, what the woman has done will be told in memory of her. So watch this now. So Jesus is filled with this fragrance. Judas is so irate. He gets up. Then one of the 12, which is called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, what will you give me if I hand him over to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he wanted to betray him. So, yeah, the woman worships. He's mad. He sells Jesus. You either worship him or you sell him. There's a lot of people they call our worship waste. Oh, those people wasting their life. They go there. They go to church. They spend hours and hours in church. Those beautiful young people wasting their lives. They're going to that church in Pittsburgh where they're crazy, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. And then we watch them on Check the News. <laughs> people are wasting their lives. You know, people, they, the stuff they say about me and the stuff they say about our students, you know, go all the way down to that guy. Are you crazy? They always got joy, they're always laughing. Church is laughing all the time. you can't laugh. you can't laugh all the time. <laughs> so Jesus goes from there and he is filled and saturated with the fragrance of a woman's worship. He goes to the Pass of a meal. He's sitting there, at that pass of a meal, at that Pass of a meal. He said, he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. And then Judas, who which betrayed him, said, master, is it I? He said, you, you've said. And then he said, take, eat, this is my body, drink of it, this is my blood. And then he said, I won't drink or eat of it until the day when we eat together in my father's kingdom, which you can imagine, we're, not, we're so close to that now, and the marriage supper of the lamb, what that's going to be like. Can you imagine that? It's going to be off the chain. Can you say amen? Amen. We're so close now to that. So he goes from there. Then Peter, now, you've seen people making a vow. Peter makes a vow of loyalty. Right off of that, what do you mean, betray you? He says, yeah. All shall be offended because Jesus said, all shall be offended because of me. And um, he said, I was might, the shepherd is written, and the sheep flock shall be scattered. And after I'm risen again, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to him, Though all men shall be offended because of you, I'll never be offended. Jesus said, This night before the cock crow, you'll deny me three, three times. Peter said, Though I should die with thee, I will not deny you. Well, you know what happened. So, how, many, how far did his vow go? Some people vow, but their vow is empty. Are you with me? Because the vow is something more for status you don 't make a vow for status. you make a vow because you you 're desperate and you really and you, your life won 't even pan out if you don 't see a breakthrough you mean you mean business you genuine mean business so now he goes from there into the garden of Gethsemane and i 'm telling you right now i I always took him to where he was being beaten by the Roman soldiers and they could smell the fragrance of the offering. But when he went into the Garden of Gethsemane, what, do you know what he was actually doing there? The woman poured the oil on him. He was going to pour that oil out. That's what he was doing. He was going to consecrate himself to pour himself out because the Bible said he sweat great drops even as blood. And he cried out... Even said to his father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he did that several times. And, um, but that whole fragrance, when they came to capture him, to grab him, they, they grabbed the man that had this fragrance on him of a woman's worship. So she was portraying what the gospel was. When she poured it on him. Because the gospel is you taking what is precious to you and pouring on the head of Jesus. Because Jesus took what was precious to him his whole life and poured it out for you and for me. And that everywhere we pour out what we have, the fragrance of the good news of the gospel is going to spread to other cities, other towns, and other villages. It's going to spread. It's going to spread. It's going to spread that Pittsburgh is is going to be shaken by the hand of God. Pennsylvania is going to be shaken by the hand of God. Every town, every village, and every place in between is going to be shaken by the hand of God. And the fragrance of the gospel is going to be smelled. Because you pour out what's precious to you. And Jesus pour out himself upon you. You're going to smell just like Jesus. And everywhere you go, people are going to say, I see Jesus in your eyes. I hear Jesus in your voice. And I feel Jesus in your touch. In actual fact, you will demonstrate... The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob everywhere you go. Amen. All the days of your life. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Regardless of what's going on, when you walk in the door, the very atmosphere is going to change. And the fragrance, the very fragrance of the room is going to change. I don't give you walk in a bar, a nightclub, or any place in between. Because of what you carry on the inside of you she broke when she broke that alabaster box when you break of yourself and you pull yourself out god comes right into the middle of that and that's when you begin to see signs and wonders and miracles and god begins to show himself alive with infallible proofs and begins to manifest himself Hallelujah. he's going to hit in the primary schools and the high schools and the university campuses across america This is the ripest time for a great awakening in America like nothing we have ever seen. I'm telling you right now, this is it. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. This is it. I've never seen a time like this. In all the time that I've been in America, this is the greatest time to be. You, somebody said, oh, it's all forget about all that. Forget about all the stuff about economy and the government and all that kind of stuff. Don't even worry about that. Focus on what I'm talking to you about right now and watch what God is going to do. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As he was with Moses, so shall he be with you. Yes. As he was with Joshua, he'll be with you. And so even when they came to him in the garden of Gethsemane, when they grabbed him, they must have got some of that on them. I can just see them trying to get clean. I got got to get this off of me. What is this? So I'd always gone to where he was mocked and scourged and taken to the the cross. But the Lord took me this past week into the garden and I smelt the fragrance of the perfume. But it was as he was pouring himself out. And what, what is ministry about? Pouring about pouring yourself out. God gives to you, pours into you, and then you pour it out.
2: That's good.
1: I think back over the years. Went back to back meetings, two meetings a day, six days a week, 46 weeks of the year. There was a time for 14 years, that's, that's all I did. And you say, I'm I'm not going to quit. There were times we didn't didn't see the breakthroughs we were believing God for, but we never stopped. We just kept pouring. We just kept pouring. And now it would seem like the last three years, the Lord said, now I'm going to flood you. I'm going to overwhelm you. So when my wife and I look at each other, we just shake our head and we say, is this possible? There's oil being poured out here tonight. You, you don't even realize it, but there's angels walking through these aisles pouring oil on your head. You're not going to leave you the same way you came. And when you leave and go back to where you came from, people are going to smell the fragrance of the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The Lord says, you watch what I'm going to do for you. It's like rain coming down in this place right now. The power of God's falling all across this room. Don't be nervous about the joy. It's okay. We've never had anybody hurt from joy (laughs) in all these years. The Bible tells us when God walked into Abraham's tent and said, I'm Almighty God, walk thou before me, Abraham fell flat on his face. You're not going to meet the creator of heaven and earth, they just sit there and be normal. Some but I don't understand all this joy. Then you don't understand what the whole Christmas season's all about. When the angels sang joy to the world, the Lord has come. I bring you glad tidings of a great joy. That's what the gospel is. The gospel means great joy. And everywhere Jesus went, people went walking and leaping and praising God. Philip went to Samaria, preached Christ to them. There was great joy in the city. You watch what's going to happen here. There's going to be great joy in the city of Pittsburgh. Watch the next three years and see what God's going to do. I know it's hard for people to have joy, especially when you've gone without food for so many days. (laughs) (laughs) But remember what Pastor Jonathan said. If you fast, nobody should know you're fasting. You wash your face. Put a smile on your face and rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For the Lord is with you and he's with you strong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Now, let's do this because I want to pray for people here tonight. and Just follow the Lord. And uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to sow seed. But this is part of what your vow is. Because you're taking what's precious to you and pouring it on Jesus. You don't give it to man, you give it to the Lord. And you take what God is given to you, God will tell you what to do. You just be obedient to obey the Holy Ghost. And then I want you to do something. I want you, as you do that tonight, to attach it to the word that we preached and, and make a vow to the Lord. Say, okay, if what pastor said is true, and if you'll do all these things for me, then here's what I'm going to do for you. Would you do that? And then let's watch what God does here in the remainder of your 21 day and then what God's going to do between here and the end of January, that this will be the greatest January you've ever had, amen. that'll set the tone for the rest of the year. Can you say amen? amen. So just close your eyes for a moment. Just ask God what he'd, he'd have you do and then be obedient to obey the Holy Ghost. God will speak to you, drop a number in your spirit, just be obedient to bear the Holy Ghost. Father, multiply now the seed of your people, and I thank you for each of their lives, every ministry represented here, every business, every mom, dad, every single parent, every young person, every senior. The Lord's sitting here in this room tonight and even the overflow and those watching in their homes are individuals that are believing you for big things tonight. And those big things, maybe nobody knows. Maybe no one knows what they are. These things are deep things and are secret things of you and between them and you. And so now, Lord, take this, just like when that woman poured what was precious on Jesus' head, as they take even now and pour it on your head and pour it into the gospel and cause the fragrance of this to be smelt in the far-flung corners of the globe. And I thank you for that and give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Ushers if you'd handed the offering envelopes. I might ask Pastor Eric to come, just tell you for those of you watching online and just do what God tells you to do.
3: Hallelujah. The offering envelopes are being handed down the row. The ushers are just going to hand a stack down each row. As you heard, ask the Lord what he'd have you do. Now these are the longer envelopes. You make your checks out to RMI or Revival Ministries International. So these envelopes are coming down the row. You can give by, you know, cash, check, credit card. So the ushers are just going to take a stack and you just hand it right down the row. And there's several other ways to sow seed also. And they're going to put the slides up, or they're already up on the screens right now. Of course, you can also give by push pay or text message giving, and that's by text in seven seven nine seven seven give rmi seven seven nine seven seven give rmi. You'll see it right on the screens. Right here, those, of course, watching uh, on whatever broadcast, the Internet and all the different broadcasts, of course, all the directions are right on your screen. You can also give by cash app, which is dollar sign Revival Ministries. If we missed you with an envelope, raise your hand. I know they're coming around with the envelopes. We'll make sure we serve you one and get you one. And then also, you can mail a love gift in, and they'll put the address up there. RMI, PO Box 292-888, Tampa, Florida, 33687. So do what the Lord's telling you to do. Also, our website is revival.com, revival.com. Click Invest Now. And uh, for the people watching, also revival.com forward slash giving is a direct link, and revival.com forward slash PayPal. Many different ways associate. This is really important. If you go to revival.com or PushPay or any of those platforms, there's a drop-down box that says Crusade Offerings. Please mark that. If you're giving through text message, given. It's a drop-down box that says Crusade Offerings. Just click that. Once again, same thing on revival.com. As you sow seed, it'll say Crusade Offerings. So please hit that and do what the Lord's telling you to do. We'll give you a few more moments. And if we missed you once again in the overflow or wherever you're at here in the building with an envelope, raise your hand and we'll get that to you. And they'll continue putting the directions up on the screen for you on whichever way you're sowing seed.
1: There will be no lack for God's people. Amen. Don't care what's happening in the world, the banking world, that matters not to God. He doesn't care. There'll be no lack. Hallelujah. How's it possible that God can do in three years what took ten years to do because that's the acceleration that we've just been through how's it possible and if he's done that in the past three years, what's he going to do the next three years? And all he's saying to you is trust me. Property is going to come into your hands supernaturally, buildings, houses, vehicles cars, trucks, buses, planes, trains. When you say trains, I have two I got a third one coming. One carries the kids to church and the, the other one carries adults to church. I've got two big adult trains. Roman the property, (laughs) houses you didn't build, and then land. I just see God giving his people lots of land. I'm talking about large siblings God never put any of this stuff here for the devil and his kids he put it here for his children do you believe that? just say this, when you make a vow to the Lord, you have to be ready to go to the next level. Because it going to be greater responsibility. And you have to step in another dimension. You cannot expect to see God do what He said to do, and you're just going to keep coasting as you have done. Because if you just keep doing what you have done in the past, you're going to have what you always had. But you have to step it up. And maybe, I'm not saying you do more, but the way you do it is more effective. And you reach more people with less effort. Are you with me? nervous when I walk around. But this is important that you grab a hold of this here tonight. What God wants to do through you. He first has to do in you. And he does that at the time. Just like this. Because this is an altar. And he first does it in you. Then he'll do it through you. as many places you can go in the church world and you'll never get to do this because they never challenge people to do any of this stuff this is what i do privately so i'm just challenging you publicly to do what i do privately because people say i don't know how how do i get to the next level i'm telling you telling you how to do it some we of you well, can I not do it properly? Yeah, sure, do whatever you want to do. But I'm provoking you, I'm pushing you to tell you there's more that God wants to do through you. He didn't put us here to survive. We're not in Survivor. This is not, we're not airing a special series, Naked and Afraid. They could avoid killer hornets. One of those things, Murder. huh? Murder hornets, yeah. Which some churches I wish a swarm would come in and just sting them. Now God, God wants to say. I got, He told Abraham, "Lift up your eyes, look from the place where you stand." He said to Joshua. He said to all of them, "Look." take a look every place the foot your, your foot will tread I will give it to you I don't believe it okay then you'll find another you'll find another to do your job one thing about the Lord yeah he, he didn't wait he doesn't I've seen many ministers miss what God had because they were waiting And God was waiting for them. And they they just kept putting it off, making excuses. I got to have this. I first got to do this. I first got to build this. You don't have to do anything other than do what He tells you to do. Somebody said, Well, we're not ready. You're never going to be ready. Just go. Just do. Step out and walk on the water. Step out of the boat. Stop being afraid. Stop holding back. Hallelujah. Now come on, so in faith, I should go ahead and receive the offering. Now who's ready for part three before we pray? Listen, I came my download here tonight. So be seated. Now obviously I'm not gonna give to you what the Lord gave to even Abraham, or what he gave to Jacob. But I want to give to you what he gives to us as his church. And so I want you to go with me to Psalm 91. When God revealed himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as El Shaddai, He was saying, I'm the all-sufficient one. I'm everything that you need. In God, there is no lack. There's no shortage. There's abundant supply. And that's one thing that I felt... That night when that fire came in my room. And I better watch out now because I'm going to spend the whole time in the book of Ephesians. But let's just stay with Psalm 91 right where we are. And uh, I'm going to go down to, um, to verse 14. Because he set his love upon me, God says, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he's known my name. He will call upon me. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show, me, show him my salvation. So God will demonstrate himself to you. And you just have to go through and look at the Old Testament. See all the times that he showed himself strong. In the lives of individuals. As we go right down. I mean we could go to to Joshua. God revealed himself to Joshua. So that Joshua stood and commanded the sun and moon to stand still. I don't know about you. I don't see many people telling the sun and moon to stand still. But Joshua did. What does that mean? Well they were running out of daylight. He said I need daylight. God said speak it. And he spoke it. And the sun didn't set. No one before or no one since has done that. Somebody said, You mean the Lord can give you extra daylight? God can give you whatever you need. Yeah. Yeah. David, who was faithful, worshiped God, took out the lion, took out the bear, and then God took him to take out the giant. Many of you have been fighting lions and bears, but God's getting ready for the giant. Somebody said, Oh, don't tell me that. Well, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. He's just getting you ready. God will never told, tell you to go take out a giant when you haven't even touched the lion or you haven't touched a bear and you're afraid of a lion and a bear. Why? What are you going to do when you get to the giant? Elijah took on the prophets of Baal. How I many know that didn't turn out too well for them? So here's what I really believe that we're going to see, and I'm going to cast it forward, not just 2023, but the next three years. I believe we're going to see many showdowns take place that are going to need the sun and the moon to stand. So, and I'm going to talk about it in a literal sense, like the sun actually stopped. I'm talking about, but God give you an extended time so that you can accomplish the victory Hallelujah. and that you will take out giants and that there's going to be some showdowns like what happened with the prophets of Baal. Now, I'm not saying we go Old Testament on them. Which would be great. Amen. Amen. I tell you, we could do with Samson right now. Because I'd send him straight to Washington, D.C. with the jawbone of a donkey. And say, please just take care of something. But Elijah took on the prophets of Baal. And outran a chariot of horses. All of this is because God revealed himself to them. You think you're going to do these things without having a revelation of who he is? He ain't doing it. Religion won't cut it. Daniel in the lion's den. I'm from Africa. We know what lions do. Nobody spends a night in the lion's den. Are you crazy? But when God is with you, the three Hebrew children in the burning, fiery furnace. They heat up that furnace seven times hotter. Nebuchadnezzar said, didn't we put in there three? And the form of the fourth is like under the Son of God. I see four men. That means you, you go right in the fire, but you don't be in there by yourself. And your enemies that put you in the fire got going to be burned up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now you say well God's not moving like that like he did in bible days he's not he's not operating like that well he actually is because Jesus is the full manifestation of El Shaddai in the earth today and Jesus is the one, somebody said, Well, He doesn't tell us to go do He does. He tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then He guarantees to us these signs of all of them that believe. In my name, you cast out devils, you speak with new tongues, you lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So he's, he's covenant with us and performed His part of it. He's just waiting for us to now go do it. Yes, sir. Amen. And sometimes you're going to have to go by yourself. It's good to take somebody with you. Go two by two. Amen. But you're going to have to go. It's going to just be you. And you're going to be right smack dab in the middle of where you're going to say, God, if you don't come to my rescue, yeah, I'm on my way out. (laughs) Jesus shows up. He's the full manifestation of El Shaddai. Because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I'm my Father, one. He said, I didn't come to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And he comes along. First thing he does, he turns water into wine at a wedding can of Galilee. Multiplies loaves and fish. Raises the dead of a widow outside the city of Nain. Gives her back her boy. Raises Lazarus from the dead when he's been dead for four days. Blind Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He gives him his eyesight back, produces tax money from a fish's mouth, calms the storms, and when they came to kill him, he walks right through the middle of them. Because he knew exactly what he was called to do. And that's what God wants you to focus in, into the exact thing of what he's telling you to do. If God's told you to be in Pittsburgh, then be in Pittsburgh. If God sends you to some foreign country, he'll be with you in that foreign country. I don't care if it's the middle of Baghdad. Can you say amen? Amen. The safest place to be in the next three years is right smack dab in the middle of the will of God.
2: Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. 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 Revelation 1 and 18, he says, I'm he that liveth. I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys. He's got the keys of death and hell. He has all the authority, and that authority has been given to you and to me. So many times people say, Lord, we're waiting on you, and God says, I'm actually waiting on you because I've already done it all. I've given you my word. I've told you what I'm going to do, and then I didn't leave you alone. When I left, I sent the Holy Ghost. And now he's come to live on the inside of you. He's come to reside permanently and live, make his home on the inside of you. And he's come to live big on the inside of you. He's come to touch through your hands, to speak through your mouth, and to walk in your feet. And you become the temple, of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I'll walk in them. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. So one thing we know from Psalm 91, he'll deliver us. He'll set us on high. He will answer us. He'll be with us in trouble. With long life, he will satisfy us. And he will show us his salvation. So when the Lord said to me, this year shall be known as the year of El Shaddai, that my people will see the manifestation of El Shaddai in their life on a daily basis. With signs, wonders, and the supernatural. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's not something you're going to even have to try to make happen. It'll just happen. And you'll see the hand of God. So get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Hallelujah. It's now upon us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How many have had the Lord speak some big things to you? It's times now. amen, Amen. to step out of the boat, to walk on the water of the supernatural, and we'll see the storms cease. Peace be still. Hallelujah. That's what he says. Peace be still. God will hold the enemy at bay so that you can accelerate and do what he's called you to do. Don't let anybody tell you it's impossible. They told me it's impossible. You can't put balconies in there. If I heard that once, I heard it many, many times. They said, you're wasting money. I said, God don't care about money. I said, I see balconies. They said, build another building. I don't like another building. I like this one. I'm happy with this building. I like this building. I've had some of the greatest meetings of my life in this building. Why would I want another building? I like this building. Yeah, but it's, it's not conducive. It'll be made conducive. It's not uh, adequate. I said, it'll be made adequate. Well, how are you going to do that? We're going to put balconies. You can't put balconies in there. We can. How do you know? I see it in here. I see balconies in here. We're going to put balconies. And they're there. Don't let people talk you out of what God's speaking to your spirit. Are you with me? You know, who do you think you are? You're not an architect. Uh, 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 no, I'm not. But I see what the architects wants built. Amen. 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 And we're going to build it this way. Amen. And we're going to do it. Don't let other people come and drive the vision. Yeah. Yes, sir. Don't allow professionals to come and drive the vision. It comes from the man that's made the covenant with God, that made the vow. They are the ones. Yeah. And the people come alongside to help and follow. Can you say amen? amen. I don't care how many people with the expertise they are. We had, I, had, I said, bring in an independent inspector. Bring another in, independent inspector. I want a third independent inspector. They tested. They calculated everything. They said, this is magnificent. Amen. There's no architect that could have designed what we're doing as a plan because it wasn't even in their mind or even in their concept to do. But God said, I want it done this way. Amen. What does that mean? There's things God's going to do through you that people say is totally impossible. They'll say it's never been done before. And then with the price of steel going through the roof, this is going to be really costly. There's cheaper ways of doing it. I see, but that's going to take another year. We needed, uh, we needed air conditioning. They said, there's a 40-week backlog in air conditioning. And I just spoke to my guy. I said, the gift of face on you. We're going to get air conditioning. He said, Pastor, 40-week backup. I said, I don't care. We're getting air conditioning. You tell the guy there's going to be a cancellation. The inspector for the air came by. He said, when do you need it by. He said, we need it in two weeks. The guy said, you're crazy, man. This building's already built. They've been waiting already 40 weeks. And there's another 40-week delay. This huge car dealerships waiting for air conditioning. He said, there'll be a cancellation. The guy left us. Two hours later, he called. He said, I don't know what's going on. But he said, I received the call. And there was a cancellation. And they have available the exact tonnage that you need. It's the exact order that you would need for your building. And it'll be here in one and a half weeks. And then everybody, how did you get that air? Even all the top air conditioning people, where did you get that air from? We got our air from God. Where did you get yours from? The people say it's impossible. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. People say, oh, things are so tight. I don't know what you're talking about. I have no clue what you're talking about. Are we just holding our head above water? I'll pray for you. I can show you how to get a boat. Or I can show you how to walk on the water. Which one do you want? Is the band okay? Your band. Where do they disappear to? Is there like a secret panel? There's a secret panel in the wall? Hey, how are you? No, no, I'm not calling for them. I was just worried about you. I I thought, is this secret cupboard where they keep everybody here? No, I'm not calling you. I'm just checking where you are. Is everything okay? Do they hide them away in a closet? I've never been in a church where they stash the band away. Okay, you finished. that. You put them back in the closet. I was just preaching, wondering what happened to the band. And then went in the closet. There's no seats. I'll try to get you a seat. I'm trying to get a couple of seats empty for you. Two people are leaving. I just got two seats open y'all on the far side. Seriously, two people got up and they're leaving. They're not going to the toilet because he's got his coat. Love you. The two seats open on the side. So I'll work hard to get you some more seats. I'm just concerned. It's the first church I've ever been to in my life where they take the band and put them in a closet. I've seen people take guitars and put it on a thing. And you you go back here, here's a band member. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm just waiting for them to call me. Do you doing? I came back
2: here.
1: <laughs> Supernatural things. But God has to do it in you before he does it through you. That's why people are waiting for a man of God to come. This this room is full of people of God that God wants to move through. To bring about his purpose and plan. And I'm not taking away from the fivefold ministry. Those are called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, apostles, teachers. I'm not taking away from that. I'm talking about each individual taking your place and doing what God's told you to do. Because that's how we're going to get it done. Now if you're visiting one of us, just understand this when joy is being poured out, that's not the end of the service. (laughs) That's part of the service. Somebody said, I don't understand. I don't understand. He preaches, then he pauses. What are you doing, Pastor? I'm just letting the Lord just touch people. That's how God moves in our ministry. The Lord's been doing this for years. And as you can see, I'm very serious about this. This is important. What's happening here is very important. This is your strength for the joy of the Lord. It's your strength. This is your strength. Right now, the Lord's making you stronger. Just as you're sitting here. God is strengthening you. You're going to leave this room stronger than when you came. Amen. Now, a lot of times we can come to God as we have in already worship and sing to Him. And we can come and we can bring our offering to Him. But everything starts with our heart. Because there's many people in religious circles coming and, and, you know, worshiping or giving to God of their substance. But they've never really relinquished this part. The biggest thing is to lay the heart on the altar so that God can do that work that he wants done in your life. So I want to just, I'm just following the Lord here tonight, right across this room and even in your homes and in the overflow. I want you to bow your heads right now. Maybe you've come here tonight, you're desperate, you need you need breakthroughs in many areas of your life. Maybe you come from an area you don't even have a church, there is no church. I really want to recommend that you come here if you can, get and be a part of what God's doing here at Revival Today Church. A great church, pastors with great vision. Gonna see this city shaken. But I want to encourage you to look on the inside of your heart. I'm not here for that purpose. You look on the inside of your own heart and you make the decision tonight to say yes to the Lord. Now understand this is not just about coming to an altar because... One preacher said the problem with the living sacrifice, it has a tendency to crawl off of the altar. (laughs) So when you go from here, it's something that you and the Lord have to deal with in the privacy of your own home, in your bedroom tonight before you go to sleep and you talk to the Lord privately. And even tomorrow morning when you wake up, you speak to him. It's about laying everything on the altar. And so maybe you've come here tonight, a friend brought you, you've never given your life to Jesus, but tonight you feel the Lord's calling you because he is. And he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, and he calls you, he says, will you come? And right across this place, and in the overflows, and even those watching in your home, if you Don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to ask you a question. What would happen if tonight was your last night on the earth? Where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? I want you to know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You don't have to go to devil's hell because 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, the price was paid and the blood was shed. And just like that old song said, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged. Beneath that flood, lose all the guilty stain. Tonight, the power of sin will be broken. The power of guilt and shame will be removed from your life. You might have come in here one way, but you'll leave another way. Today, He calls you. He says, Come. Jesus is standing with arms wide open, and He says, Come. Will you surrender to Him? Will you say, Yes, Lord? I surrender to you. He calls you tonight Come unto me, all ye that labor and a heavy laden and I'll give you rest come 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 you have to make that decision he's not going to make it for you he calls and then you say yes Lord I'm coming maybe you're here tonight and you say I gave my life to the Lord in days gone by, but I've grown cold. I'm not serving God like I should. I've allowed the things of the world to come in. I've lost that first love, that joy, that peace that I once had. Maybe some things that are hidden no one can see. Pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, joy, anger, lust, hidden things that clog the heart of man. He said, I will take out the stony heart and put it in the heart of flesh. He said, a new spirit will I put within you. Will you say, yes, Lord? He calls you today. Will you come? He loves you. Maybe it's not hidden. Maybe it's something outward that all can see and you feel, well, what's the use? My life has been through such a mess. It doesn't really matter to me. Everybody knows what I am. But God is the God that can give you a brand new start and a new beginning today if you surrender to Him and say, yes, Lord. Yes. Maybe it's not hidden or outward. Maybe... The past three years, storm upon storm that's come against your life. A sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness. But the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that shook your world. But today you say, I'm coming back. I'm I'm not going to be lukewarm and I'm not going to be wishy-washy. 2023 is going to be my year of serving God with all my heart. And I'm going to accomplish heaven's purpose and plan. I'm going to do exactly the very reason why God placed me here on the earth. And I'm going to run my race until he comes to take me home. Will you surrender to him and say, yes, Lord. Yes. And then lastly, if you're in this room, you're in the overflows, you're watching by television and you say, pastor, I do love the Lord with all my heart, but I don't have the assurance I don't have the boldness. I don't have an assurance. I don't know that I know that I know that I'm a child of God. I want to. I want to know that. I want to know that. I'd like to have that assurance. Tonight, you can have that assurance. So right across this place, I feel the hand of God to sweep in this crowd and God speaking to the hearts of people. If that's you, the Lord is saying to you, come to me tonight. I'm just a messenger here. So while heads are bowed bow, and eyes are closed, right where you are, just quickly put that hand up and say, pray for me. Thank you, thank you. Raise them high. Thank you, 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 thank you. thank you. All the way in the back, little children. I was five years old when I raised my hand. I was five years old when I lifted my hand and walked that aisle. Let him speak to you now. And surrender to Him. In the overflows, just slip that hand up and say, yes, Lord, I feel the pull of heaven here right now. Tonight is a night of a decision that's been made in the hearts of men and women, young and old. Once you've raised Him and put it down, I want you to look at me, please. If you're in this section, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included in the prayer, I'm going to pray right now, quickly put that hand up and say, include me, don't forget me. Include me in the prayer. Slip it up high. Thank you. This section in the middle here, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included. Put your hand up. Right now, say include me. Quickly. And on this side over here. You didn't raise your hand but want to be included. Slip it up high. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. What about the overflows? I can't see what's happening there. But just go ahead and slip your hand up. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? on the other floors what about you by way of television just slip your hand up and say yes Lord I want every person that raised your hand all across the building and in all the rooms that raised your hand to stand to your feet right now quickly stand stand to your feet all across the place I want to pray with you and for you I'm gonna ask you to come from where you are. Bring your person along and come stand right here. Come. Come from the other blows. Come from the other floors. Fill up the altar tonight. Come now. It's others, the Spirit of God is speaking to quickly get up from where you are and come now. You come now, you come now. Come now, come now, he calls me. Sing it.
2: I surrender all.
1: Come on and surrender everything tonight. still others that God's speaking to right now, even in the overflows. Quickly. You might never have another opportunity. This very night, your life could be required of you. Quickly. As I sing it again, just get up from where you are. Come and stand here. Come. Come. To the like this. This is the struggle that's going on. That's why we give a call. The Spirit of God begins to deal with hearts and people. Say, this is your night. Tonight's your night. Somebody said, I'll wait until next week. No. He calls you now. You know, last time I was here, I saw a stadium. I see it again. I see it again. I see it again. The harvest of the city. The harvest of the city is going to be unlocked. That which has been held back by religion and tradition. The structures. Are being broken and ripped apart, and the sinners will come in. They're gonna flood, they're gonna flood in. They're gonna flood in. Oh yes. Pittsburgh, the Lord has not forgotten you. The city shall shake to the very foundations. Oh yeah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I fear the anointing for the harvest. I feel the anointing for souls as as strong as any mass crusade, any meeting we've ever done in all the years of ministry. I feel it right now. I felt that the last time I was here, I feel it again. Many people that are disconnected, many disenfranchised people, many people outside of the church, many people want nothing to do with religion, but they're hungry, they search it, they want Jesus. They don't know where he is, they're looking for him, but they're gonna find him, they're coming. They're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. They're coming, thank God for the, for the field that you have now. It looks like a, a pavilion, just like what we have in Tampa. Thank God for that. But that's just temporary. The land, you know, all the structures that will be built supernaturally, it'll happen suddenly. It's gonna happen quickly. It's gonna be paid for to make room for the harvest of the city of what God is gonna do here. Yeah. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to leave the altar open just a few more minutes. Sing it one more time. And if you should be down, you get up from where you are quickly. I don't care if you're going to climb over heads of people. Get down here. Get down here now in Jesus' name. You might never have another opportunity. Tonight is your night. Quickly come. He calls you. Come. Sing. look at me if you would please every one of you standing here if you've been busy with God God means busy with you and we're going to pray a simple prayer one prayer fits all you that are watching in your homes And you pray this out loud you mean it and surrender to him right now just close your eyes raise your right hand to heaven pray this to me say Father I come to you in the precious name of your son Jesus Lord, you said in your word, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And I believe in my heart that God has raised you from the dead. I will be saved. So Father, right now, I confess, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Coming in my heart right now, Take out the stony heart. Put in the heart of flesh. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Fill me. Use me. Let me never be the same again. I turn my back on the world. I turn my back on sin. And I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you that you rose from the dead for me. And thank you that you're coming back again for me. From this night on, I'll never be the same again. I confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He is my Lord and my Savior. And right now, by faith in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I'm saved. Thank you, Lord. for saving me now. And just lift both of those hands to heaven. I'm going to pray over you right now. Father, I pray of these precious ones that you would seal them now by your blood and by your spirit that on that day not one would be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them to impact this generation, we pray. And on that day we'll see them. We'll all be together on the other side. Amen. Now look at me if you would please. I don't know where you live, but if you live in the Pittsburgh area, you need to come here. Every time the doors open, come to church. They have another location they're meeting on Sundays, but they'll tell you exactly where that is. Get involved. Get into a church that's on fire for God that wants to see a city shaken and then let God use you in a powerful way. Amen. This is important. That you grab a hold of this today. And God can take the next three years and make it like 10, an acceleration, regardless of the past. Because that's what He does. He's a master in doing that. Amen. Hallelujah. So we have something we want to give you. Where, where do they flow? If you can turn. And, and just go up this way. They're waving their hands. And just follow them for a few minutes. We we'll want to place that in your hands. Just go through this way, guys. Don't go back through, just go through this way. What do you mean? Yeah. F- Father. Touch this man. Touch his heart. Even as he said his wife passed yesterday and his heart is broken, that you'll heal his heart now. And let the same peace that you put on me when my daughter went home to be with you, put a peace on the inside of him now. Even as he surrendered his life tonight, let the peace of heaven flood his life. Now, in Jesus' name, I loose that on you in the name of the Lord. From this day, spend the remainder of your days bringing people to Jesus and watch what God's going to do with you, okay? Strength, supernatural strength. Amen, sir. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That's the power of God on you right now. That's the power of God in you now. Fire! On the top of your head and the soles of your feet. Thank you, Lord. Use this man the remainder of his days for your glory. I thank you for it. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm so glad you people came out of the closet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's a song that Andre Crouch wrote. I grew up on Andre Crouch. It says tell them. Tell them. Won't you tell them for me? Tell them that I love them. I can remember listening to that back in the 70s, and I'd be sitting there just crying. I said, "I'll tell them, Lord, and tell them." You know that one? You better get it. No, no, no. I'm just saying, you better get stuff! He was the greatest songwriter of the seventies and eighties. Songs like "The Blood'll Never Lose Its Power," he wrote that song. My tribute. Yeah, yeah, I understand. But this one's called "Tell Them," and and uh, you know, God used him in a profound way. believe you, just tell them, even if they don't receive you, just tell them for me. Please tell them for me that I love them, and I came to let them know. That's why this—it has to accelerate. We've got to move quickly here to make room for the coming harvest. It's big. It's huge. Right here in this city, because if we don't do it, if you don't do it, God will send other people in here. He's not limited. He says, hey, I want you to do this. And I and hey, let's just take it easy. Let's slow it down. We have a window. We have a window. We've got a window. We've got a strike. Got, we have to hit it. We have to hit it hard. And that acceleration is everybody's taking their place. The city's crying out. Churches, there's churches that are closed. Places that are never open again. There's people still, still trying to Zoom. Watch from your bed. Watch from your couch. There is no virus. There wasn't one to begin with. Are you with me? I mean, there was something, but a scam. Were there people dying? Yeah, of every kind of thing they've always been dying from, but just being labeled as dying from that. Folks, they're planning something that's even greater than what we just went through. This next one, they want people dropping dead in the, in the streets I'm th- because they want to push what they want to do. But they've, God has set them back. They've been set back. And they're going to be set back even more. Yes. Yes. This year, God is wrecking their plan. Everything they do is being blown away like smoke so what we, ha- we have to move quickly and I'm talking about relationship to this church and what God wants to do so now thank God for what he provided for you I wish I could see it but you know another time the soccer thing looks like the pavilion the astroturf and all that but I'm talking about your own place are you with me? Yes. And if people feel so strongly, they just give, why, don't, why don't they just give the soccer place to the church? Move the soccer place somewhere else. Yes. I mean, that's, that's how quick this thing has to happen. Yes. We, we can't sit around here yes. and plan a five-year plan. We're going to move now. Look how quickly this place came. Cannot God do it again? Now you can do it again. You can do it again. This whole section here, just stand together. Join hands. Lift those hands to heaven. Close your eyes. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost come upon them. No, in Jesus' name. Fill, 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 fill. fire, fire, fire. Fill them in your homes. By wave of television, your homes. The overflow. Depression goes. Happiness goes. Joy comes. Oil of joy. Oil of joy. God! I just feel to do this right now, in closing, from my part, what I the Lord told me to do here tonight, I want every person who's full-time in the ministry, pastor, evangelist, prophet, apostle, whatever, if you... Full-time in the ministry, I want to pray over you. Just come stand here together. All those pastors, leaders. Amen. Just come right in close. say this to you because I know people say, well, I don't really feel adequate or even qualified to be totally frank with you. In actual fact, forget frank, I'll just be rodney with you and tell you, I've never felt qualified for anything the Lord said to do. It was always bigger than me. But you have to come to the place where you just, you healed. It's got nothing to do with whether you're qualified or other people think you're qualified. It's where you just say, Yes, Lord. Yeah, I'll follow you. I'll, I'll do what you tell me to do. The persecution is there I mean that's a sign that you're right on where you're supposed to be if there's no persecution that means you can't have too much of the gospel if you're not getting persecuted are you with me <laughs> because because Jesus was and you're not greater than him there are going to be people lying about you, making up all kinds of stories about you. The worst is if you believe them. Back in the 90s, the attack was so great in the 90s that people would have whole sessions and dissect my meetings and would play clips of my meetings and then have services against me. The whole church service was against me. And they played clips of my meetings and whatever. And uh, I was in the UK and somebody had given me a tape where they were going around the UK exposing my ministry. You know, because I needed to be exposed and whatever. And I didn't kind of watch the video. I just took it home and put it in my house. And My kids were all with me at the time. I believe probably, Kirsten was probably 12 Kelly was 10, Kenneth was eight, And I walked into the living room and I heard myself and then I heard people were, now this is totally off the wall. This is not even in the scripture. and And my kids were rolling, laughing. And they thought it was a comedy thing. They said, dad, look at this crazy person. And they thought it was hilarious. I was immediately, I was like angry. Oh, I'm sorry they even found that video. They thought it was so funny that they were laughing because they knew me. Said, this guy doesn't even know who you are. And the Lord said, if your children feel that way, why would you even pay attention to any of this stuff? Now, that was all before the internet. And then the internet brought another whole realm of nonsense. When my daughter died, they made a website. And and the title of it, Is He Still Laughing Now? Because we had joy. So his daughter dies. Is Howard Brown still laughing now? Why was he going to make another website? Yes, I am. Just leave it alone. It doesn't really matter. Because the attack back then was about the joy. And to be totally honest with you, it's still about joy. They don't like joy because it wrecks religion and tradition to pieces. But you can't use sad people. Sad people are not gonna do anything. Happy people are gonna do it. And we live in a time where there's a lot of sad preachers. Sad, I've never met so many sad people. Sad, angry preachers, angry prophets with wet underwear cranky, mad. They want to call fire down on every city. But the harvest is crying out. So God's going to use happy people filled with his joy, filled with his anointing. So this I'm just going to prophesy over you, this year shall be a happy time for you. Shall be a happy time. You, you'll be at the highest level of happiness you've ever had. And you're going to be so happy, and everybody's going to be asking, Why are you so happy? And you just got to laugh and laugh and be happy and be even more happy. And when they say, Why are you so happy? say, He hath made me glad. The Lord made me happy. Hallelujah. (laughs) Ha. Ha ha. everybody in the congregation stand come on some of you doze they're going for
2: there
1: <laughs> lift your hands as I pray over these precious ministers Father thank you for the increase for their life their marriage their home their ministry everything they touch in Jesus name pour oil on them even now Lord when they walk from this place let them leave oil tracks everywhere they go let them be of the squelching of the oil in their feet as they march through the city, leaving the trail everywhere they go. And I thank you for it and I give you praise. Pour out the oil and pour out the wine upon the beaver now. Lord, give them a drink. Give him a drink. Give them a drink, Lord. Give them a drink, Lord. Give them a drink. Give them a drink, Lord. Give them a drink. Give them all a drink, Lord. Drink. Drink, 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 drunk, drink, 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 drunk, thank you Lord, many souls many souls much provision no lack happy 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 Happy. thank you Lord yes 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 and now supernatural strength on you. The- going to be a greater dimension of the gifts of the Spirit flowing through all of you. (laughs) Amen. Praise God. Say this out loud, say, I believe, I believe. I I receive, this is my here. Hallelujah. Well, thank you. We love you guys so much. We're praying for you. My wife sends her love, and uh, we pray for you. We pray for you every day. Amen. Pittsburgh will be shaken.
0: Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.